0: Hey everyone, Louie from Kick the Jukebox here. Just wanted to let you know that what you're listening to is the podcast version of Kick the Jukebox with shorter music clips. If you want to listen to the whole shebang, visit our show page at kpiss.fm. That's K-P-I-S-S Okay, thanks for listening, and bombs away! Kicking a rhyme, talking about music all the time. Oh, yeah! Hi, welcome to another episode of Kick the Jukebox. I'm Louis Perlman. And I'm Kyle Gordon! And we just sang our own theme song, which seemed just like, it seemed like the right thing to do to me. And
1: it turned out to
0: be the right thing to do. (laughs) I feel it It was. It seemed
1: that way. Um... It felt that way, and it turned out to be so.
0: <laughs> Kyle, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you, Louie? I'm doing really good. I was actually just at a like super geeky event that I think you would have really appreciated. Oh yeah. I was at a like trade show uh-huh. for right uh, pedals for guitarists. Oh
1: really? Yeah. Are, is that is that something you're into? No,
0: uh, <laughs> it's not. Um, I was. There... That's something I wish I was into, but like, I just don't have the patience to learn anything new, so, yeah. <laughs> well, that's not totally true, because you're pretty good at learning new stuff for specifically this radio show.
1: Yes, maybe so, but, uh, well, no, like, learning new, like, nerdy facts about bands and history and things like that. Yeah. But learning technology, uh, I don't know, there's a part of my brain that just doesn't process it well. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just sort that's of... That's what I do for my day job, but... <laughs>
0: Well, that might be wise. You yeah, might be exactly. burnt out on it. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. So I was at this, uh, you know, this trade convention because my friend Ross Fish, who I haven't seen in 11 years, was in town. He uh, runs a, like, synthesizer studio in oh, in Portland. Oh, sweet. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he's one of my former um, students from the summer camp I used to work oh, at. Oh, cool. And I haven't seen him in years, and uh-huh. uh, we just really want to get caught up. So he just, like, left his table and just sat and talked for an hour. That's And amazing. I just sort of watched all the geeky musicians going by. Yeah. And happy Pride Month, Kyle, because let me tell you... <laughs> they were all at the uh, <laughs> pedal convention? Yeah, maybe? they were all at the pedal convention, and I was like, oh, my God, these are all the men that I want to take me out on a nice date, and you can just talk to me about, like stupid, uh, like, pedal stuff,
1: um, you yeah, know, for, like, for like fucking hours. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just soothe it. me and talk about,
0: like, the yeah. specs of, like, your, like ASMR, your gear. It's like ASMR, like, seriously.
1: <laughs> Hot guys talking about pedals. <laughs> yeah,
0: so it was fun and also feels, like, a little related to what we do here, you know. We're sort of on the outskirts of that world. A lot of those people, well, I think a lot of them were professional musicians, and I think a lot of them were hobbyists as well. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah. I mean, like, all those
1: trade shows, you get a combination of, like, the pros, and then the just
0: the the rich nerds. Yes, <laughs> this is true. Oh my gosh, just the rich nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it actually took me a little while to get set up. So Kyle, I want you to just I want to talk about the track you're listening to sure. this week. I think it's an interesting choice, and I'm just mm-hmm. gonna grab my notes while you intro it for everybody listening. Yeah. Our so... one listener. We have one listener right now. Hello, one listener. Hello.
1: Um. So yeah, the the track I picked this week was um. Peter Gabriel about 10 years ago did a cover um, of um, David Bowie's Heroes and he did it on an album called Scratch My Back Yeah, and it's a really interesting concept so the whole thing was he, he did you know 10, 12 however many covers of other musicians works and Peter Gabriel did this and then he went on tour and then they would he a bunch of them did covers of his stuff. Yes.
0: So I so this which ha- is a good idea. It's a great it's, I, it's really, a really cool idea. Yeah. yeah. It seems like like a real advanced move for Peter Gabriel. Especially yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Me it, being an asshole. I'm sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> well, well, how do you mean? I are you not a Peter Gabriel fan? I'm fine with Peter Gabriel. I always thought that there were, okay, so I I have this opinion <laughs> that there were some like kind of singer-songwriters that were outward facing towards world music trends mm. uh, that wa- specifically once Talking head stopped touring filled uh, the gap, yeah. but were like slightly less interesting. I see. And I put Peter Gabriel in that category mm. and I put his uh, brother-in-arms Phil Collins <laughs> yeah, in that category yeah. and I put Sting in that category as well. All of them, I feel, are sort of uh, David Byrne light. When mm. David Byrne didn't want to do what he did anymore. That being said, uh, I know that that's sort of a shitty opinion. No, I'm no, totally... <laughs>
1: no. I, I respect that. I respect that. Um, I respectfully disagree only in so far as um, I, I would say that I, I could see what you're saying in terms of like maybe Peter Gabriel took the mantle of like preeminent kind of art rock pop yeah, guy that's, who's, like, yeah. inspired by world music. But I think, like, a lot of the stuff he was doing was not, uh, like, watered down in a way that, like, maybe Sting or Peter... Ga- uh, sorry, Phil Collins was doing. Like, yeah. he, the stuff he was doing was pretty... Um, a lot of it was really inaccessible, and I don't think he was, like... Uh, you know he had a lot of hits and then he you know the sledgehammer thing like and that whole album and then the the, the John uh, Cusack movie and all that yes. stuff you know um, say anything say anything it's a lovely film yes yeah. yes Um, but like the solo albums he was making from like 1975 till you know so which is the album with all the like the really poppy albums. yes yeah the pop record like those albums were like really dark and he's like a I don't know. He's a I, he's more an art rock guy than like a pop guy in like a you know in a, in a Phil Collinsy way. That's what I would say. Yeah. Um but this this album in particular. So this is obviously this came out in like 2010. Um so like this is you know old Phil old Peter Gabriel. Um, and and I think we're both gonna throughout this segment accidentally say Phil Collins probably. <laughs> yeah, I should never have brought him up. That was my mistake. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, Pete. Uh, so yeah, and um, and so it has a special place in my heart because my dad is um, his taste in music is interesting. It's like really good or sometimes really bad Mm -hmm. but he he likes a lot of like good classic rock Mm -hmm. um sometimes he likes stuff that i you know but uh dad music yeah dad music sometimes but but he he loved like he loved like prog rock genesis and he um which like you know i like some some of it don't like some i mean he was just a huge nerd but yeah uh but and he but he loves like the solo Phil Collins stuff, which I think that's something we both really bond over. And cool. like, I really love that stuff too. Um, and then we saw this live uh huh, and that's, <laughs> and we saw him play it live at like Webster hall or something when I was like a senior or uh, a freshman in college. I can't remember. And then, um, then Lou Reed came out uh-huh. like, like, I think it might have been a year or two before he died. Yep. Lou Reed came out and did this fucked up, like, industrial cover of Salisbury Hill. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. It was like, uh, I mean, it was like white noise. It was like the Metal Machine music sure, type thing. Sure, Metal but, Machine like, yeah, era, yeah. Lou Reed, yeah. But, like, and he was just, like, he was, like, shaking and sitting on, like, a folding chair. Yeah. It was just him and his guitar just playing Salisbury Hill, and it was... Uh, I mean it was awesome it was crazy and how did seeing this live affect you I mean it's just like a, a really special moment you know because I love music and, and and my dad likes music too but this is just like a, a, a real moment when we really uh, shared something you know it's just like our musical taste collided in a really cool special way that I remember and um, and the uh, cover of this album are two blood cells together, but it always looked like a vagina. And I have a T-shirt of it.
0: Yeah, it's it's <laughs> really beautiful, and definitely, you know what? Let's listen to some of it, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Let's listen to it. So because this is, uh... it's such a it's such a different type of cover, and yeah. all the covers from this are these orchestral. Right. From this album, these yeah, orchestral covers. Yeah, very big. Uh... You might you might recognize this cover from an episode of Stranger Things. Oh, is if that you true? Like modern culture. Yes, they use oh. this in an episode of Stranger Things, which is a, which is cool. Uh all right so here it is this is heroes uh by uh Peter Gabriel Just for one day how we can be heroes Just for one day I Oh, that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Haunting,
1: very sparse. I mean, it kind of picks up toward the end, but uh, um,
0: yeah. Sorry, I was just uh, stopping the Spotify track because it was still coming in through the monitor. So I didn't hear what you were saying. What were you just saying there, Kyle? No, I was just <laughs> saying it's, yeah, really, really beautiful, um,
1: sparse. Um, and then it, it sort of picks up pace a little toward the end but yeah when I saw this live he had like a full
0: orchestra it
1: was like incredible
0: good for him yeah yeah it's um it is it's a it's a David Bowie you know I don't know if David Bowie would have ever thought to do this with this song right and it's one of the reasons why covers are so important right you know um and it, it sort of changes it into this it's like a it's like becomes like a song of longing right 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 and you know and I always do this we're now 11 minutes into the broadcast (laughs) I will always try to do this at the top and I always forget because I want to ask you how you are we're going to talk about some songs of longing because our main album that we're going (laughs) to cover today is um is Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy by Sir Elton Elton John Sir Elton John OBE. Yeah, uh, who's uh, of the ba- back Empire. in the public consciousness currently because right. there's a biopic out about him. It's called which...
1: Rocket Man, which we will inevitably talk about. Oh,
0: we're gonna talk about <laughs> it.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: Happy Pride, we- uh, ha- Pride Month. Happy Pride. I think we. <laughs> I think we're both Man.
1: gonna have strong opinions about it. But
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but, but this is this is interesting because this is a this is an interpretation, you know, uh, and we're gonna talk uh, really kind of everything we're talking about today does have like somewhat of like a queer theme to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause Bowie uh, at least flirted in that world, even if he really didn't, sleep with men all that much or at all what, yeah but this song has become a bit of a rallying cry for the LGBTQ community is that, tr- I didn't, is that true well I think that this song is inspirational for people who feel like they're outsiders or outcasts it sort of mm, right. fills that place culturally right so I'm gonna reclaim it because sure. that's what I do on the show is I reclaim things for my, sure, my sure, own sure, brand sure. of queerness yeah, yeah right yeah that's what I do everything <laughs> is queer when it comes to the things I like <laughs> yeah. everything everything Tom Clancy novels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I,
1: let's make Tom Clancy a queer icon. Come Philly on, Philly cheese it. steaks,
0: <laughs> braces. Yeah, these are not things that I like. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh We're supposed to. I just got a little text from our station manager. Shout out to Aaron Taylor, who I think is listening right now. Shout out Aaron Taylor. Shout out Aaron Taylor. Um. Yeah. No. Thank you for bringing that in. I think yeah. it's really
1: beautiful. And Louie, what uh, you you also brought in? Uh, um. A really cool song, <laughs> uh, one I'm very interested in, and one that really um, uh,
0: goes along with our, our Pride theme we ha- we have going here. Yeah, so not only is it Pride Month, it's also Bill and Ted Day. Oh, yes! Did you And know that? it's the Puerto Rican Day Parade. <laughs> yes, it's the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and it's Bill and Ted Day. Do you know that it was Bill and Ted Day? I had no idea. So it's Bill and Ted Day because it's June 9th? Which uh, So it's 6'9", six, 69! Woo! That's why it's Bill and Ted Day. And, <laughs> I know, which is so charming and That's great. amazing, yeah. And it's also Bill and Ted Day because this is around when the characters have been having their final exams that mm. they had to ace, which is the plot of the first <laughs> film. So and it's also the day that th- the shooting uh, of uh, Bill and Ted Three has commenced as of today. Oh, really? Yeah, it which, really is Bill and which Ted, which I'm day. really excited about. And I, I've like brought up Bill and Ted in this yeah. podcast before, this radio show before, because of the Jane Wheedland connection mainly. Right, and
1: you know, yeah, I, this the, I, we can say for now. Bill and Ted is the official movie franchise of the Kick the Jukebox <laughs> podcast. Know, it really <laughs> might be, which yeah. is so sponsored funny. Sponsored
0: by Kick the uh, sponsored by uh, Bill and Ted. Uh, Yeah, Sponsored by Bill and Ted Sponsored by uh, Theodore Ted Logan (laughs) And Bill S. Preston Esquire Yeah it's interesting Uh, Growing up I really enjoyed those two films Especially the first one And the first one hit me at a great age. I think I maybe saw it when I was nine or 10. It was the perfect age to see a stupid yet like somewhat sophisticated comedy like that. Yeah. Uh, and it really does have amazing performances in it. The two leads are so good. They're so charming. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, and I I really like the, really the the core message of those films is that, you know, music will save the world, which I 100% believe in, (laughs) and also uh, be excellent to each other and party on, dude, which for me is definitely one of the ways I try to live my life. And then we're going to talk about this song that uh, uh, we'll talk about it after we play some of it, because I don't really want to spoil any of it for anybody. Uh, but, uh, Do you want to give away the title? Nope, maybe I don't want to the... give away the title Okay. Here we go, here is the song And then we're going to talk about it School was such a pain What a way to waste your brain Cause you know what's on their minds Hey dude, 69 It's no bogus journey It's their hearts to yearning
1: It's time for Billy Adventure
0: to okay, so there's that song. Bill and Ted's Homosexual Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Glad we didn't spoil it. No, yeah, Bill and Ted's homosexual adventure, the way that I personally uh prefer to celebrate. Uh, Bill <laughs> yeah, and this Ted is day. Yeah, this
1: is yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you when you well it's I mean it's true when you think of Bill and Ted day, this is what you, th- you think of. That's it is. I think of in. Bill <laughs> and Ted
0: having sex to e- with each other. <laughs> to, to each, each other. other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cuz they're not good enough at sex to have no, no, sex with each other. No, they're just jerking other. off to the idea of each other. That's Aww. a that's sad, yeah, cuz no, then it's they don't That's
1: nice. No, but then they don't that's the that assumes they don't uh or maybe, maybe they love each other so much they have sex and then they jerk off to each other when they're not together. Yeah, so, they so think about I, each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay, well, we'll, we'll yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that's the ideal. Uh. So,
0: so this is by a band called Pansy Division who are really important in, to the SoCal, or sorry, Bay Area. They're part of the Bay Area punk scene from mm. the 90s. They were a lookout records band. Um, when I was growing up, I started listening to Pansy Division I think like when I was about 15 or so mm-hmm. and they weren't the first Lookout Records band that I was a fan of. I I was really into uh Screeching Weasel because of my friend uh Andrea Ryer, shout out to her, who made me a Screeching Weasel Ramones mixtape which Ooh. got me into both bands. I know, big very formative. <laughs>
1: that's yeah, that's cool.
0: So these bands a lot of them sort of share this similarity that they sort of have this nice clean kind of crunchy sound to them.
1: Yeah, like sort of like uh like it sounds kind of like late 80s like, underground college rocky kind of thing like continued True. into the 90s. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Late 80s. Yeah. And it's a little it's a little fast. They're considered punk. Yeah. Uh, it's a little crunchy and also content wise but certainly yeah, they're I like, feel definitely. Yeah. They're not like thrashy. Right. You no, know no, um, no. they're not the germs. Right. right you know right. for example they're not uh, <laughs> another another queer lead song singer songwriter. Yes. You know yeah, we, we ha, ha, talked we, about that.
1: Right. We've we, we've reclaimed uh, Darby Crash. Yes. We have reclaimed everybody. <laughs>
0: everybody come to me. <laughs> it's, it's this band was founded by John Ginoli who's really like sort of the the heart of this band. He's the singer-songwriter and and Chris Freeman who was the bassist. Um, Yeah, and for me, this song I want to talk about it from a pride perspective. This song had uh, actually kind of an interesting effect on me because it kind of blew my mind (laughs) that you know, you could think about some characters from popular culture that were so clearly supposed to be portrayed as straight, right? and you could you could queer them for your own purposes. yeah. And then of course, if you look back at um the films, uh, they do any films that are about like I, I feel any films that are about like sort of young, like straight male relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless they outwardly deal with it there there's like a subtle homoeroticism to them you <laughs> yeah. know and like and like on YouTube if you look up this song a fan has made a cut of like all of their moments looking at each other to this song <laughs> you know which is great like really fun the official pansy division video for this is the the band members singing and then clips from the films and then clips of gay porn. <laughs> just like all together. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. clips of gay porn that, you know, I watched a video today. I'd never seen it before. And the only version that exists is like a like encoded like quick time movie right, version right, from right, like right. 1997. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's on their website. That's amazing. And um, <laughs> the, like the porn they chose is like the actors vaguely look like Bill and Ted, which I think is so funny. That's hilarious. And, and of course also subversive. And at the time... They're really, you know, someone who didn't see himself in media pretty much at all. Uh, I was looking for myself so much anywhere I could find it. And a song like this really spoke volumes to that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about that when it comes to Elton John's journey to being like the out uh, and proud, you know, gay uh, musician that he is now. There's so much, yeah. Compared to where he was at when he recorded this record. Totally. And you know things that have happened in between and up to the present, and you know I think it's great that we're talking about this the week that Rocket Man came out because I think Rocket Man is just actually an Manchu, interesting yeah. chapter in in that story. Yeah, but you know John uh, Ginoli was doing this you know this was this song's almost 30 years old right that's well not I shouldn't say that that's hyperbole this song came out when I was like 14 15 mm-hmm. so this song I'm not that old Jesus <laughs> so this song is about 20 years old it's right. a little over 20 years old and the fact that he was doing it and he was reaching a fairly wide audience. He this band was opening for Green Day. Mm-hmm. Rancid took them on tour as well. Yeah. So they were speaking to a lot of people that otherwise were not being seen and heard within the scene. And and and
1: also like playing this kind of music to people that would never have been exposed to this perspective otherwise.
0: Yeah. And they, for the first few records, for the first part of their career, all the stuff is really funny. Like, right. this song has a lot of humor That's, in it. Yeah,
1: exactly, yeah.
0: And it makes it palatable mm. for audiences that might otherwise be homophobic. Mm. You know, this isn't just, like, heart love songs about breaking up with a boy or right. someone who won't love you. Is that sort of where they went later on? Yeah, yeah, mm. w- once they felt comfortable doing it, which I think is really cool, you know? It's like, and then they sort of started finding the balance of the humor with the, with sort of stuff that was a little more serious-minded and a little uh-huh. more emotional, but... For years, and this is part of that tradition, uh, but just through a different lens, because, you know, it was a punk band, which is so interesting to me... Gay people and queer people have been using humor to appear to be palatable for the mainstream, mm, right? You know, um, so this is another example of that in a way that I think is really effective, but it's and not... genuinely funny. It's so fucking funny, right? Also, it's romantic. I want Bill and Ted <laughs> to be in love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be in love with Bill and Ted. They're such cute, <laughs> nice, music-loving boys. Yeah, yeah. They don't yeah. actually have such bad taste in those movies, Bill and Ted. I'll listen to Kiss with them. You yeah, know, totally. it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like yeah, they, they just love rock and roll. Yeah, they um, do.
0: God gave rock and roll to you. Well. Well,
1: I'm very glad. Uh, I'll just say, I'm very glad you. I finally got a chance to listen to this, and because actually, um, I, I listened to a little bit in college, and not a lot I remember. But um, I also had like I took out a bunch of uh, DVDs from the college sure. library, mm-hmm. and then one of the DVDs was a a documentary about Pansy Division, and I never got around to watching it. So maybe that'll be uh, that'll be my. Uh, what I do
0: tonight? Maybe that'll be the way that you celebrate. Pride yes, month, that'll Kyle. be my right. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll
1: ha- I will expose myself to that documentary every night of the uh, of this whole month. That's
0: great, you yeah. know. And if you want to do anything else, I'll be you know going out having fun, pride, doing pr- fun pride things. Yeah. Hopefully, with not a lot of tank top clones. We'll see, Kyle. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so let's talk about Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. Let's get into it, Elton John. Um, so. I want to say, personally, I never really cared about him. Mm. I didn't care about Elton John until this week. Yeah. And now I'm into him. Right. Uh, And it's pretty cosmic that you decided you wanted to cover this record this week. Um, So this this album, to give a context, is like mid-period peak Elton... It's mid-70s peak Elton John. Mid-70s peak Elton John.
1: Late, like... Elton John on top of the world. Yeah,
0: late Elton John on top of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And what this means is that this album has a wonderful... I would say this is
1: the peak. I would call this the peak.
0: Well, this is the peak maybe artistically. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, Uh, yeah, chart-wise, this album uh, did sell very well, Mm -hmm. but didn't reach the heights of previous albums of his, and the singles didn't chart as well. But we'll get into that. There's reasons why. It's because... This really is a very strong artistic statement. Yes. And it's um heavily autobiographical up yeah. to that point about what Elton John and Bernie Taupin were going through mm-hmm. as uh Elton John being the uh, music writer, pianist, frontman and mm-hmm. Bernie Taupin being the lyric writer. Yeah. Yeah, and, wh- and what And their ch- relationship them sort of
1: like starting out, them building um you know, their career
0: together initially. Yeah. Yeah, what, what drew you to this? Why do you want to cover this? This is such an interesting choice for you, I feel.
1: Yeah, so I think, well, one, I'm I'm never, you know, I'm never a lyrics-first person, uh, generally, and I'm usually not a huge fan of concept albums in general i think cuz we're both like fans of the single fans of like we like albums but we like songs and yeah we but, do but i think this doesn't lean too heavily it's not a concept album in so far as like a uh, shitty prog rock you know thing where each instrument is a different character in like a medieval s- story
0: you uh, love ragging on that you, <laughs> this is the first time you brought up that analogy on the show i, I that's I so funny that's like a real... you hate that
1: <laughs> i know i really hate it uh i forget which band it was it was some shitty you know yeah whatever but um yeah uh Um, no, but I mean this And and Elton John is always like songs first. It's each song is, they're great pop songs, um, in and of themselves. But I, 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 I've always kind of been fascinated with Elton John just because, you know, I do like a lot of Elton John songs. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of them are
0: damn good songs. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I think he's, um, and then just like over the past few years, I've just been fascinated with like his career. Um, you know, because, uh. You know this album was, uh, The you know the sixth out of seven albums that went number one. Yes. In in the U.S. and no one has or had up to that point. I'm pretty sure no one has ever repeated that uh, feat, like seven in a row number one albums. Um, and he was also the first person to debut at number one. Yes, that's Uh, right.
0: This went gold before it uh hit this, i think before it hit the stands the record stores that may be stores. true yeah, yeah that, i think that's that, the case with the that album. may very well be true yeah. yeah um at a time
1: when it was very hard to do that because of technology i mean you had to fax and call in the um
0: call in yeah the yeah. like the
1: record stores had to call in like their sales numbers so like yeah. you know things moved slowly back then but um i mean it's just like crazy to think i think people I mean, Rocket Man is now sort of like bringing him back into the public consciousness. And, of course, he's always been like an icon. He's been massively successful and famous. Yeah. But, I mean, I just don't think people ever quite reckoned with how insanely massive he was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then that does have to do with his queerness. And that's something I don't know if we want to jump into it right away. But, um, you know, something else that was really fascinating to me... Is that you know? Essentially, what happened to Alan John was he had seven number one albums in a row. Then the the final of bitch being Rock of the Westies. Yep, bo- that also came out in nineteen seventy five. He was churning these out too.
0: Yeah, like he's he, working at a fast pace.
1: At least one album a year, if not more. Um, and then he did this famous uh, interview with play uh, with. Uh, excuse me, Rolling Stone uh, with a gay writer. But he the, he had never you know there had been rumors about his sexuality. And the writer asked him, you know, uh, pretty much. Elton John just came out and said, you know, I'm bisexual. Yeah. And he was really the first person. Well, actually, David Bowie had before done it, yes. and then kind of backpedaled yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he backpedaled. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but no, Elton John did it. He said in in more explicit terms, he was like, "I'm bisexual. I've had relationships with men." Yeah. Um,
0: I'm I've on been... a homosexual adventure. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh,
1: and he, um, any and he never went number one again with an album and yeah. his career immediately tanked and not tanked in terms of like of course he had a very successful career after that but there was a huge backlash and other people took note and people stayed in the closet you Definitely. know like and he kind of went back in the closet he a little did. bit um well he yeah he had a false marriage yeah after absolutely that. Yeah. like he And, you know, like, people like David Bowie took note. People like Freddie Mercury took note. People like George Michael took note. Definitely. They, you know, people didn't, uh, you know, and and it's... And I think that has to do with... That affected his legacy in a lot of ways because, you know, imagine... You know, don't imagine if he was straight, but imagine if, like... Imagine if he was having this same sort of success now. I mean, like, he would be... I, he would be the biggest thing ever,
0: and, and we would hope that it wouldn't be such a huge issue for him to come out. Right, But it's because he paved the way. He did pave he, the way. He was he was uh, he very much paved the way, and you know he has this partnership with his lyric writer Bernie Taupin, mm-hmm. who wrote gorgeous, beautiful, complicated. Mm. Ab- of so- somewhat obtuse and flamboyant lyrics mm. for him, right? And really understood his aesthetic. And it's really, totally. I think, the second best collaboration between a uh, gay person and a straight person ever. You know, uh, you and me, yeah, 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 uh, after you and me, uh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. That was, uh, yeah, I've been working on that all day. <laughs> but this, I, the first song we want to talk about, yeah. Is Tower of ba- Babel, Tower of Babel? Babel. <laughs> they use Babel to rhyme it properly?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I want to listen to some of it because it's actually a good, like, snapshot of where they were at at the time and how they were feeling yeah. about it.
1: Yeah, and it's actually about a very specific incident, but uh, we can talk about
0: that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You're going to school me, Kyle. All sure. right, here's uh, Tower of Babel from uh, uh, Captain, uh, Fantastic Captain Fantastic and the Brown, Brown Dura Cowboy. Cowboy! it is. There's Town of Baby. Town of <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, so where were these guys at at the time? And what is the song about? Let's yeah, talk so, about it. Very interesting. So um,
1: most of the songs on this album are about the relationship between Bernie Taupin and um, Elton John. And in a yeah. sense, this is about like their life kind of becoming successful.
0: But um, we should also just mention now before we forget that. Captain Fantastic was supposed to be Elton John and Brown Dirt Cowboy was supposed to be Bernie Taupin. Correct. They're nicknames for each other. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, yeah, they're the, like two characters in the sort of concept album. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is about, specifically I read that this is about the death, uh, an overdose death um, of the drummer of the average white band oh, uh, at a Hollywood party. Yeah. Um, it specifically, But more it's just about sort of the excesses of, um, like, these Hollywood, um, you know, like, life on top, essentially. You know, yeah. there's all this drugs and um, people looking to take advantage of you and it's so dangerous. And then when something bad happens, like, there's no one there to you know, you're sort of disposable, you know, you're just like a prop. And yeah. like, you know, the Tower of Babel metaphor, of course, you know, they, you know, they think they're, it's just like the, you know, a metaphor for the hubris of man. And like, they're, you know, they're partying up in their ivory towers while, um you know, the sort of like wealthy, like elite Hollywood people, but the, you know, creative types are, you know, sort of
0: Paying the price, I think. Yeah, there's a really good line in this that I'm just looking up because I want to get it right. The lyric. Um, uh, There is uh, a lyric in this about a drug dealer that is really perceptive. Yeah. uh, That is specifically about... um, Well, it's also
1: interesting because at this, you know, famously, and they talk about this a lot in the movie, but, you know, Elton John...
0: Did you see the movie? Yes. Oh, I saw. Oh, yeah, I saw the movie we uh, can't go Friday see night. It. Now we can't go see it together.
1: Why can't we? <laughs> okay, great. We're going to go see it
0: together. I'm going to go see it again. I want to go see it three times. Yeah. Anyway, go on.
1: <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, Elton John himself was dealing with a lot of uh, substance abuse issues at the time, and, and especially being such a huge, flamboyant character, it's easy to see how he could have felt maybe uh, taken advantage of or, or you know... Felt like a a prop
0: a little bit. Yeah, maybe he his true self was hiding underneath those costumes. Yeah, you know that sort of you sort of got lost in them. Yeah, you know and lost in the lifestyle. Yeah, the the lyric is you know junk angel. This closet's always stacked. The dealers in the basement filling your prescription for a brand new heart attack. Yeah, you know what a angry screed against cocaine. Yeah, if exactly. There ever was one honestly? Yeah. yeah, and it's smart. It's really, I, really smart. really these lyrics are really smart, and I think. At the time this album came out, uh, Rolling Stone uh, accused Bernie Topin as being overwrought. Yes, and it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, did, I definitely disagree. I totally yeah. disagree. Well, I it's I I disagree as well because I think they're gorgeous, but yeah. I think that it's more that you know you hyperbole is a great way to get your point across. Yes, and I think Topin really gets that. I think that's why Elton John and him were such a good match for each other. Right, and I know. think uh, especially like you know among.
1: Like, you know, in the canon of pop and um, rock, the you know, the pop and rock worlds, there aren't as many people who were so, um, you know, his, his language was very floral, but a lot of times he was pretty clear and explicit in his storytelling. Yeah. And, there wa- and, the, and it was consistent throughout their career and collaboration. And that's what I think made, you know, uh, while Elton John was really indebted to, like, a pop um, structure... He was able to. The songs are really dynamic because famously, Bernie Toppin would send him the lyrics fully formed, yeah, without any concept of what the music be. El, you know, should pretty much mail them to him. They'd ri- write, totally separately. Yeah, Elton John would look at it and then compose music to that, uh, the lyrics like sort of Tin Pan Alley style. Yeah,
0: and um, it was apparently much later on in their careers that they started working in the room together, like post their big successful period. Right. Although they did have a good friendship. Right. You know, it's not like uh, they were kind of estranged or, No, that was know, just the way, that was that their was preferred That just the way they worked. Yeah, yeah,
1: writing, you know. And they kind of talk about this on the album because a lot of what they talk about and we'll get to that on your song, um, mm. but the song you picked, uh, not your song, the song, your song. <laughs> but, uh, You could tell everybody
0: <laughs> about Kick the box. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed
1: it. Thank um, you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, this song is, this album is about their process, you know?
0: Yeah, so let's talk about it. Let's get into to some of it. This, okay. I think this
1: is a very interesting choice, and I'm glad you picked
0: it. Yeah, I, so I'll, I'll tell you the main reason why I picked it now, before we listen to a little bit of it. This is a song called Writing, and actually the main reason why I picked it is a lot of the stuff on this record is a ballad mm. is like sort of almost it's almost borrows from like torch song mm. uh you know uh traditions mm. and it's funny because a few kick the jukeboxes ago you said you don't like ballads and this album i think <laughs> is almost really a ballad almost the way the whole way through but this one uh has uh, diff- some different dynamics to it so first we'll listen to some of it and then we'll get into it so here is writing here we go inspiration for now always happen all right so yeah there's a little bit of that a little bit of um <laughs> a little bit of uh uh, writing, so that's a song about their writing process. Yeah, and the song takes place on a like lazy Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And the main reason why I want to talk about it is because it, first of all, acknowledges that they both are just as important to each other. Yeah, and that's a nice acknowledgement, especially when one of them's the big rock star. They, I mean, they literally
1: have the line, "It's always half and half." Yeah,
0: we just we just heard it. Mm-hmm. We just heard it, guys. And, Whoa! And, and then also, as well, something that. I like about it is something that's a really subtle element to the song is the fact that when other people are not worried about what they're doing on their Sunday, mm. here's two guys that still have to really work to make their money. And, and I they're, think their brains are always, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Yeah, there's a, certainly a want. Right. But also, you know, it's a really smart, you know, short song, succinct song about... Uh, how artists have a really hard time turning off their brains. Yes,
1: totally. Yeah. And I, I think, think that's, that's cool. a really good way of putting it, yeah. Yeah.
0: And then also as well, the sound of it certainly like harkens to like... Steely Dan. Yeah, sort of like a Steely th- Dan I heard... sound. I think an, an Eagle sound I as well. I was about to say
1: like Almond Brothers, that guitar lick is like very Almond yeah. Brothersy. Yeah,
0: very Laurel Canyon. Totally. Late 60s, which was a big influence on them. Yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah, you hear it a lot on this album, and, uh, like, the
1: the first, Captain Fantastic, yeah, the Captain Fantastic, you definitely hear the, like, country
0: rock uh, sort of influence. It was recorded in Colorado, which I think had an influence as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, Um, and, uh, um, just to, I just, I just want to say. So I think, I think there are a, a decent amount of ballads on here. But I think, <laughs> I think,
0: I think you like the ballads on here, right? I
1: like the ballads, and <laughs> I. But I think, I think there are a lot of like up tempo songs, and also sure. Um, uh, you know, I think the. W- w- I just want to clarify my own taste. So yes, the ballads yes. I I'm don't kind of like. Accusing you of something, I apologize. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I, just, just for our long uh, listeners who who may um, like our listeners
0: who are like longer, like yeah, 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 they're really yeah. tall, exactly, they have like lanky arms. Yeah, and yeah. They ca- it, it's
1: because uh, yeah, it's hard to hear down. The speakers are always at waist level, so yeah. it's hard for them to hear. Um, but no, the. Um, no, I, I I and I think this is important to clarify what I like about Ellen John is that I don't like ballads that are like indulgent, um you know,
0: like uh vocal showcases. You yeah know what I mean? Like the Celine style. Right. And he exactly. doesn't do that. He's not really a belter. No. He's no. a lovely singer though. He has a great pop voice. He
1: has a cool, great pop voice, but he's always song first and the yeah. the the, the vocal uh, melodies are always in service of the song. And I think that's, you know, because
0: he's a piano player first. Yeah. So before we get to our last song, which is about a hell of a lot, yeah. I want to talk about this new movie. Yes, let's do it. I think it's interesting. So here's this film. I know we're not a film critique radio show <laughs> podcast. But I mean, this is a music
1: film. So it's can...
0: very much a music film. So did you not like it? I... Tell, me, tell me about it. I'm going to put you on the spot. I was ready to love it. Yeah. And I didn't love it. That's so interesting because I went in with sort of just like very middle expectations. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I hope I like this. And then I I really, really, really enjoyed it. Well, I wonder what you liked about it because what I thought was... And this is interesting. I read
1: this great uh, re- uh, review from The Guardian. Yes, and it, did you I've see read I that? Posted, as well. yeah. Mm. And I think it's really. I, I true. actually don't agree with it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I yeah. Know, this might be the first time we're going to
0: have like yeah. a bit of a taste disagreement about huh. this. But, interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a little corny, and it felt to me like yeah, it was like defanged a little bit, and I didn't sure. want them to like. I didn't want them to eviscerate Elton John. I love Elton John, and I love his music, and I'm a fan of him as both an artist and a person um, and I think he's like an important cultural figure but it felt to me like yeah I, I, well I think the big thing is like I don't think the sto- the threads they followed with the plot were mm-hmm. the most interesting part of his life yes. like they like his alcoholism and his drug addiction that is part of it and like they dealt with his sexuality but it felt like um, a subplot rather than or, or, like, one of the threads of that he struggled with in his life. Whereas sure. I felt like I would have loved to see, because he is one of the biggest cultural icons ever. Ever, yeah. And I would have loved to see his relationship with the public, his sexuality, you know, how the... Pu- like Because it did, and like I talked about at the beginning of the show, and that's sort of what I was thinking about, is, like, his sexuality was groundbreaking for... The, the the public the yes. world like yes. had never it made dealt them with someone have he, to contend with y- yeah. exactly like mm-hmm. this is not Rock Hudson like yeah, totally is, you know but yeah. this is the biggest pop star in the world yeah and by he a is long saying shot he's
0: a bisexual
1: exactly and like how it affected his career and I don't think they dealt with that in any way and I think that I don't know how, what Elton John, the role he had, but, like, it's true, this article mentions that, like, by making a movie about someone who's still alive, and they needed his catalog, certainly. it's gotta get his approval, and
0: yes. he's going to, you know, this is Elton John's life, in a way, through it, Elton it, John's eye. It certainly was authorized by him. Right. I'll tell you what the saving grace was for me about the movie that really made it work.
1: And I liked it,
0: but... Yeah, yeah, it's not like you hate, it's like you were sitting no, there being like, no. this is garbage. No, no, no. The reason why I think it was so effective for me is that I don't like biopics that pretend like they're telling the truth and that they're word of God, basically. Right. And this film wasn't really a biopic. What it was is it was a big, brash, um, musical, uh, you know, uh, movie musical fantasy. Right. Which is the way it's been advertised and the way that it obviously is watching it. Right. There's no... Yeah, he literally becomes a rocket and shoots off into the sky yeah. and explodes. <laughs> which which I which I really liked because <laughs> it took it from being a project that I think needed to feel authoritative, mm. which it didn't. Mm. I don't think it felt authoritative. To being another step very much like this album we're discussing mm. in his own reconciliation with his own life and the way mm. he perceives it. Yeah. Because it was authorized by him. Right. Uh, and then on a on a personal level for me, and, you know, I, I never realized I was looking for this until seeing this movie and it yeah. really, really hit me. Is it's the first movie I've literally ever seen where an aspect to the to the main character's personality is that he's a gay music geek, mm. and that shocked me, <laughs> and I couldn't believe how refreshing it was for me to see That's that very true. that aspect to my personality <laughs> represented on screen. And, but in and like the. Is it the biggest movie in the world, or it's the biggest? It's doing really well right now. I don't. Ever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's. Well, I don't know if it's outselling. I'd like to see how it's doing against Bohemian Rhapsody. No, it did. I, I think it beat it. I oh, think. good. Because I, I hated it. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I heard it was bad. And because I don't really, because yeah. I thought Bohemian Rhapsody was uh, uh, actually very subtly homophobic hmm. in all the ways where I thought this was actually very positive yeah. in that. It was an aspect of his life that was dealt with, I thought, in a pretty real way. Right. But wasn't the number one thing about the movie. And it had, uh, um, you know, his. There were love scenes in the film that were just really frank and shot like a heterosexual love scene. I was in about movie. to say. Yeah. And I, apparently yeah. it's the
1: first mainstream Hollywood movie. I don't know how they measure that. But I mean, it, Yeah. It, I think that, maybe just number of screens it's yeah, released. Yeah. That's got like to that. be like. And I don't think anyone would dispute it like yeah it's pretty obvious like that showed a gay sex scene
0: yeah yeah that just had two guys doing what they do in bed (laughs) yeah uh without with it being somewhat romantic somewhat Mm -hmm. uh you know uh the audience was allowed to feel feelings during it and it was like sexy
1: in a way that like a heterosexual scene is in like you know when he that's right you know like it wasn't um you know it was spontaneous and, you know, all that, you know?
0: Yeah, so so I guess for me, does it work as a conclusive discussion towards Elton John's, you know, life and, and who he is? No, it, it doesn't. Um, do, does a film, can a film really do that? You know, my opinion is is no. I don't really, I wouldn't argue that any biopic can do that about anybody. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I feel like people's lives aren't, don't have a three-act structure, and uh, if to make a movie successful and make it work, you know, uh, you, have to, you have to build that in. So mm. it becoming sort of actually a smaller story about Elton John's uh, acceptance of himself mm. worked for me. Mm. However, that being said, I totally get what you wanted out of it and right. why it didn't work for you. And I respect that. Yeah. Like, like it's, we're not enemies. No, no, I just no, want no, listeners no. to know I we actually, don't hate each other. now. Yes. It, yeah. It,
1: it, 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 we don't always have to, uh, you know, uh, agree, but I, I do see, I, I truly do see where you're coming from. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, just the final thing I'll say is like, um, yeah, I think it kind of like took on, you know, it, 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 it kind of, like, addressed his life a little bit with kid gloves.
0: And, yeah. um... Hello, uh, hello. there's people coming in for the next show, which is <laughs> awesome. Anyway, go on, Kyle, go yeah. on. It's okay, we still have a few more minutes. We'll uh, finish yeah. up. Cool. Um,
1: and, uh, yeah, the, um... Yeah, it, with kid gloves a little bit, whereas I would have, even with this, in this fantastical world, I would have liked maybe, you know, it sort of lionizes um, Elton John, and it deals with his Flaws in the way that Elton John probably did in therapy, like where he's like, "I hate myself and and I have all these problems." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, but not the like. It's like it addressed the flaws that he saw in himself. Maybe not the flaws that other people saw in him.
0: Very much so. I think that's great. So let's talk about our last song, and then we'll play a minute of it or so out. Yeah, it's a gorgeous six-minute song. I'd recommend everybody listens to all of it. It's called "Someone Save My Life Tonight." It's stunning. It's so stunning. It owes so much to. Uh, good, like, Harry Nilsson-esque ballads. Totally. Torch songs, The Beach Boys. It's sort of all fucking in there, and it does such a good job with it. And it's also based on a true story. Uh, Tell us about this true story if you want to. It's it's interesting. Yeah, Yeah. it's really interesting,
1: and it kind of deals with what we were talking about. But, yeah, uh, briefly in the 60s, before he became famous, he was engaged to or almost married a woman. Clearly he's gay, and that was very difficult for him. And... um, uh, I'd never want to marry a woman.
0: <laughs> it would be really hard for me. Get away! Yeah, <laughs> yeah it
1: just make, we'd both be sad. Yeah, and so he pretty much almost killed himself, and he had a friend who was named like Long Silver or something. Yes, <laughs> he yes. had some really funny, like
0: British, like blues rock name. Yeah, they nicknamed him Sugar Bear in the song. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: pretty much just, you know, took him under his wing and stopped him from killing himself. And, and, and he put
0: his head in the oven with yeah. a pillow and had the oven open <laughs> and apparently the window was open as well so it was like maybe more of a and I certainly don't want to at all downplay what he was going through or suicide attempts in general by saying this but it may have been even part of his brain it might have been more of a statement yeah. a call a cry for help yeah if, you if know. It,
1: also it's funny It would not also not to downplay it but like if, if, El, if Elton John was going to botch a suicide that's how he would do it totally
0: pillow on his head yeah totally uh, but this song is gorgeous, and Kyle, I just want to ask: if I ever stuck my head in an oven with a pillow, would you save me? Would you pull me out of the oven? I'll be your sugar bear. You'll be my sugar bear. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was fishing for. All right. Well, this has been really fun. Follow us on Instagram on on um, Tumblr. Although I, th- I think Tumblr's going to go away soon. I just have a <laughs> feeling Tumblr's going away. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We're there. Thanks for everybody that's continuing to listen. Uh, thanks to capist.fm the golden stream, for continuing us to allow us to broadcast. Here is, uh, from Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dura Cowboy, here is Someone Saved My Life Tonight. down a lot you really should have been there sitting like a princess party. kick the jukebox is so much fun kyle and louie are number one kick the jukebox kicking a rhyme talking about music all the time oh yeah